0: Welcome to the Technology Pioneers podcast number five. And today I have a couple of guests in the well virtual podcast studio. Let's start with the lady in this set of people. Can you uh, tell everyone who you are and what you're doing?
1: Hi Tom, I'm delighted to be here. My name is uh, Séverine Trouillet. I am the Public Sector and Education Director of uh, Dassault system in uh, Northern Europe, and I'm also uh, passionate about sustainability, so I'm uh, really aiming to support our companies, support our customers and and ecosystems in the public and private sector uh, to use uh, virtual technology as an enabler for sustainability.
0: Awesome, awesome. And yeah, well, that that's already directly the topic of this session, sustainability. And uh, yeah, of course we're going to look how Dassault is uh, working to support sustainability, what kind of tooling is involved or could be involved, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we have more speakers uh, in this uh, uh, podcast. Eduard, would you go next?
2: Yeah, sure. My name is uh, Eduard, uh, Eduard Eikman, also from uh, Dassault System. I'm an industry uh, process uh, consultant, uh, and I have been busy on sustainability and environmental uh, issues for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I graduated on a project of, um, sustainable furniture made from, uh, rattan and uh, bamboo. Nice. Uh, and in 2006, I started with my first, uh, LCA, um, and learned more on that topic, uh, topic as well which of course also now is a key element uh, for Dassault system.
0: Cool. Great, great. Well, uh, let's see what we can learn more about that uh, during this podcast. Uh, and finally, the last attendant to this session. Go ahead, introduce yourself.
3: Hi, I'm uh, Dragov Staskalu. I'm also an industry process consultant and by extension, um, also an echo design consultant. So my job uh, in Dassault Systèmes is this to Connect the needs of our customers to the relevant, uh, the most efficient solutions from our broad portfolio. And in this um, yeah, uh, journey, I, I try to make sure that I touch upon uh, that the, the, the key things for sustainability, such as the right kind of energy, um, the, the right process for uh, managing waste, and also the right choices in, in materials. So
0: great. Yeah, great. Well, uh, welcome everyone in uh, uh, the Technology Pioneers podcast. Uh, To kick off uh, this session, I was looking uh, in the news and I'm always looking around for what kind of news items, technology-related news items with respect to sustainability are out there. And one of the news items that caught my mind, and I'm curious what what, uh, all of you think about this, is that there was a a news item on a new energy-saving supermagnet uh, and, well, at first I was thinking, okay, what, what's the relation with t- and contrib- contribution to sustainability or uh, whatever. But this uh, su- this supermagnet is used in particle accelerators. So typically at CERNs, uh, the Large uh, Hadron Collider, where they uh, discovered the Higgs boson particle. And so it's really in a, a very specific niche research environment where they now uh, have found out that, that the current electromagnets that they are using can be replaced by this new type of super magnet that they came uh, came about and uh, apparently during the first tests one magnet is expected to save about 136 kilograms of uh, carbon dioxide Compared to a conventional electromagnet, um, uh, within one year of operation. Uh, of course, this is a niche area. This is uh, uh, well at the at the pinnacle of tech, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But what do you think about these kind of research, like uh, explorations and and findings, uh, if you translate it to, well, eventually translate it into sustainability in our day-to-day lives? Is exciting this stuff. Exciting stuff.
2: Will be even uh, more exciting when now we can finally go a step further into nuclear fusion. Mm -hmm. Who knows, future of the uh, well, let's say you know energy of the future, if we can make it.
0: Uh Uh
2: If that comes uh, come true, that will be uh, fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's definitely.
3: I I also think it's interesting if indeed it is something that can be scaled because a lot of these uh, experiments uh, are amazing and they make sense in either uh, the European Space Agency in uh, uh, Nordvik or in CERN in Geneva. True. But if they can spread to every household, then yeah, the impact can be much much bigger and. yeah, I still, I still expect to to stumble upon new technologies for storing energy, for mm-hmm. cutting the losses that are um, during the transportation of energy and so on. And that's also what our customers are uh, uh, busy with.
0: Yeah. 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 Good point. Good point. Yeah. and they're, they're Looking through the article, they end the article indeed with a little bit of a lookout to the future uh, where they say that indeed this technology needs to support their claim to be. Uh, also to come to a situation of being net zero by 2040. Of course, this is, is a while away, but I can imagine that, well, these kind of research facilities who are consuming a huge amount of energy, um, yeah, also need to adapt. And well, with this kind of technology can contribute uh, uh, very, very largely to, um, well, these kind of net zero claims uh, in the future. So yeah, let's see what comes out of it. Um, well, uh, in the past, uh, we uh, have been talking already on this topic uh, uh, with, with uh, Dassault on, on sustainability and how, well, um, uh, modeling and, and ideas of uh, modeling, not only a mechanism, but but entire supply chains, entire product uh, life cycles even, um, can get a great insight in, well, sustainability problem areas um, uh, but also how and where to use reductions and what the impact is on the entire chain. Can one of you tell us a little bit more about what you are doing at uh, Dassault with respect to sustainability?
1: so maybe i can start on you know talking about our sustainability commitment because mm-hmm. you have to walk the, the, the talk yourself uh, if, even if you want to help your customers so as that's a system we have taken a, a big commitment to be uh, carbon neutral by 2040 but it also extends to you know reducing our co2 emissions as, as employees uh making sure there's more diversity in the management of our teams um so that that's our first pillar but our second pillar is uh back to what my colleagues were, were saying around our tools and our tools need to enable the sustainability of our, of our customers, of the industries, you know, in, in different sectors, because we cover uh, 12 industries. So, it's how do you make sure that uh, our tools, which are linked, as you said, uh, to 3D modeling and simulation and operation excellence, can deliver results uh, to increase the handprint, i.e. the positive impact of our, of our customers, and reduces their footprint. So, we have the life cycle assessment analysis tool that uh, Dragos was just mentioning, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is allowing to um, tackle the, the problem of sustainability from the design phase rather right. than wait you know, until it's too late to say, how do you mitigate uh, the, the impact? And I'm sure Dragos and, and Idred can tell you more. But this is for us an essential part of our, of our sustainability commitment. And the third pillar of our, of our commitment is around uh, stakeholder engagement and communication with others. So we have joined a few uh, key organizations like the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, which mm-hmm. focuses on, uh, on circular economy. And we want to engage with 5,000 stakeholders by 2025 because we believe that sustainability is a, a system of systems problem, and that nobody will uh, fix it uh, on their own.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally true. That's totally true. And uh, well, with respect to a systems of systems problem, huh, the the complexity of systems and and the integration of systems, we uh, quickly think about, okay, how can we mitigate complexity? How can we work with that? And we revert to uh, environments like digital twins or virtual twins, uh, as you you may also call them. Uh, But I know that the virtual twin, well, of course, has an interaction now with the the real world uh, uh, around us. But how can it support sustainability claims like, well, like you just mentioned? who can answer the uh, uh, who can answer the best uh, uh, to this uh, uh, environment
3: what what what's interesting for for people to understand is that the the sphere of influence they have starts with themselves it starts with you Mm -hmm. uh, with the way you run a building or a factory or um, a a, a small business Um, and then it extends to your product and services and this is when the need for modeling comes in. And this is where um, you, the calculation goes beyond something that you can run paper or in a table. And uh, here, with, with simulation tools, with a good architecture of a system, uh, you can run what-if scenarios. You can run different uh, uh, scenarios that you wouldn't have time or budget to implement in real life, but you could have them running on a uh, on a simulation uh, uh, rather quickly. And then, and I guess, yeah, that's the, the answer we're looking for. Uh, there's a, the higher sphere, which is uh, your ecosystem. This is your entire supply chain. It's all of your uh, um, interactions with uh, regulators, which we also um, uh, want to help with uh, all of the Interaction maybe with civil society, with um, um, yeah other stakeholders, and this is again what a model that simplifies complexity can help with in in decision making. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not uh, one answer that can uh, bring, and it's something that has to be tailored and, and implemented in case by case. But with with the right tools and with the right selection of tools, you can. Uh, uh, yeah, have this, uh, let's say, virtual model uh, in front of you to to help you in taking uh, the next steps.
1: Yeah, exactly. And maybe to add to that, uh, Rabos, um, in a couple of years ago, we published a report that was talking about the value of uh, digital twins for sustainability, where the aim was to quantify. Uh, there was, you know, the was know the the benefits of uh having a digital twin of a product or a process uh, so that you can make the, the most of it so when you design when you test when you model uh, and what were the the impact of using a digital twin earlier in the cycle and we we looked at five different sectors including construction life science mobility and uh, we calculated that uh, you could save up to 7.5 gigatons uh, greenhouse emissions by 2030 by adopting the virtual twins in uh, these five sectors. And you could also save up to $1.3 trillion. So um, we really are trying to show and, and, uh, and evaluate in, you know, in economic terms, in environmental terms, what the value of, of the adoption of a digital twin is, uh, because it has impact on uh, how much resource you, you use, the waste, the electricity, the resources, and also how fast of much faster you can put a product uh, on the market
0: yes yeah, that's that's an interesting one eh? so now we we indeed directly can link uh, design decisions to uh, saving uh, co2 emissions eh? that uh, that's a direct concrete result of your design decision but it also spin the spin-off of it and you already mentioned of course in in cost but also in speed time to market is also there right so it's not only sustainability that the contribution is is being done but the uh, yeah, could I say it's it's a bonus effect that we also save money and, and are, are more speedy in, in delivering our, our solutions to the market?
3: Exactly. And uh, it's also these solutions are, are not new in terms of optimizing for cost savings, optimizing for maybe fuel savings mm-hmm. in, uh, uh, in different areas. These solutions were already tailored to make calculations to reduce waste and so on. It's just I feel like with Focus on sustainability. We're coming with a different angle and with different KPIs to look at yeah, them. Yeah. But the optimization tools were already existing that were that we're putting in play. That we're gearing up yeah. um, when when looking at a new product or at existing products that need to be upgraded or repaired. Uh, in the
0: future, yeah. So actually, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was. If I was I'm thinking a... about. I was thinking about the mechanism that you are using. Then, indeed, in the well, in this case, the so tooling. The so the mechanism is is similar, but you now use it for different purpose. You start with a different angle as a starting point.
2: Yes, and I can give you uh, an example. Okay. Cool. Uh, so for example, uh, we have a long relationship with, uh, Unilever, mm-hmm. uh, who already started, uh, sustainability, uh, early and yeah, you know, like we are a tech company, uh, software, uh, so we have a lot of tools that can help there. Uh, so for instance, you can, uh, calculate for packaging, uh, how you can optimize, um, the, the build of that, well, specific bottle or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can, uh, with a virtual twin, you can calculate like, okay, uh, if now I make the bottle um, thinner or only on this part. Uh, so there's all sort of optimizations that you can do with software, oh, yeah. uh, which result, of course in a lower cost, lower waste, but surely uh, also has a big impact. Uh, on the uh, co2 uh, emissions of that uh, particular product
0: right right and is it then so because that's a great example actually yeah so you you have a bottle you want to uh, uh, well maybe reduce the weight for example so in the end you reduce co2 uh, because you lose you use uh, less material for the uh, creation of that bottle but exactly I, I would say there's there's even more spin-off to that because mm-hmm. uh, if you reduce the weight, uh, of the bottle, you obviously have less materials. Okay, that's clear. But then by reducing the weight, you would also reduce the amount of energy needed to transport it, right? Because yes. in total, it's, it's it's less weight. And that also saves up CO2. Yes. Is, is that then also something that you can calculate through with a virtual twin? Or do we need to, to build something different for that?
3: No, it's. it's yeah, uh, you- Go ahead, Uh, Marcos. And and it's not just CO two. I want to make this clear because when you're doing a life cycle assessment, Uh uh, there's there's 16 KPIs that you want to look at, and I feel like uh, with with this chase after CO two, we're missing the bigger picture. Of course, we need to reduce uh, reduce the emissions that go uh, in the atmosphere, but there's also things. That were before maybe not taken into account, such as water usage. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. There's processes that are very water intensive, um, which are okay now, but in in ten years, when uh, because we're on track for uh, uh, some water shortages. The water shortage. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. These hurts,
3: these yeah. have to be considered on time, and uh, if if done correctly and if uh, uh, complete with all the data, this this uh, assessment can really. Trigger or raise the flag with regards practices to activities that us humans uh, put into the development of a product that maybe can be avoided or substituted with uh, ones that are um, more adequate for that area where the production is happening, or uh, yeah, simply uh, cleaner.
0: True. True. Yeah. And. Is it also possible, because there's a good point uh, that you that you mentioned this, it's not only about CO2 emissions, of course. The uh, uh, United Nations have stated, what is it, 17 goals, I believe, that we can contribute to, and uh, uh, Severin also mentioned uh, things like diversity, of course, and inclusion, and etc. These are also targets to work upon, uh, but there's also, for example, I believe, marine life or uh, uh, stuff like that. Is it then also yes, possible, uh, in this case, that let's let's take again the case of the bottle as an example, because it's nice to yeah. talk about, uh, that sure. that you can make um, design choices that would impact marine life. So f- I know now for a fact that that plastics, yeah, we have the the, the yep. plastic soup in the ocean, uh, but also plastics and microplastics end up in fishes and marine life. Can can you also create uh, calculate or look at the impact that a design change made? makes to that kind of um, uh,
2: effect? Also there, you can, you know, make simulations, virtual twin-like. So yeah, it's great that you uh, talk about uh, marine life. Mm -hmm. Um, What I also want to say is like, yeah, you know, we have those uh, tools, uh, but also, you know, typically we work with uh, companies uh, who are also concerned about uh, environmental 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 issues and we also like to think together on what we what we can do True. so for the question that you uh, stated uh we're working with uh, shipbuilders That's- and yes they are aware that you know when uh, a ship is on the sea uh that the engines and the propellers can uh, make certain uh, sounds, vibrations, yeah. uh, that will harm fish, or that will, um, you know, uh, let them go somewhere else, which yeah. might not such a good uh, environment for them. So also there, there is like uh, simulations, uh, you know, about uh, the noise, and of course, you know, the things that uh, will cause this noise, so vibrations from the propeller, from the from the engine. And you can also uh, see what is the impact. You know, for example, instead of uh, mount the big engine directly on the ship to have some sort of shock, shock absorb, uh, absor- uh, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, uh, shock absorbers uh, in between, so to reduce the vibration and the di- therefore also um, the um, uh, sounds that can be uh, uh, harmful for um, uh, marine life.
1: And the beauty of our solution—that uh, means that uh, you can simulate all of this in a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. So you can test, you know, millions of uh, what-if scenarios. Uh, mm-hmm. So you don't have to have a physical prototype. Uh, with an engine, you know, creating real noise, uh, because our solutions are, are so powerful that they can help uh, simulate all these scenarios. And so you can go much faster and, and uh, measure much faster what the impact on, on the environment, uh, you know, on marine life, you know, on noise levels uh, can be. So it means again, that that you can go uh, uh, into much more innovative solutions uh, for our customers to, to adopt, to harness uh, while having the this,
2: uh, this environment this sustainability uh, dimension in mind. Okay. Yes. And oh, yeah. talking about uh, shipbuilders, uh, they are also thinking about uh, sustainability, of course. Uh, they already done their initial LCAs, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which resulted that uh, now we know that 90 to 97% of all the uh, carbon emissions in the whole life cycle of a ship, so including building, uh, decommissioning and everything, is just by the fuel uh, that's being uh, burned uh, when the ships are sailing for the mission. Yeah. So we also think with them, because shipbuilding, they are in a difficult situation, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that if now you build a ship, uh, you want it to um, be operational for 30 years, or hopefully uh, longer. So that means that if now you design a ship, uh, you will need to meet the 2050 uh, uh, requirements at some point in time. Yeah. But they're also in a typical yeah, chicken and egg situation uh, because, yeah, they, of course, they're looking into alternative fuels, uh, decarbon uh, fuels, but the problem is, of course, at the moment, you cannot just go to any port and say, all right, you know, fill it up with hydrogen because <laughs> no. that infrastructure is not <laughs> there yet. But then of course, if they are building a ship now, uh, yeah, you know, the, the first idea is um, maybe you can make them run on batteries, you know, like they do now for ferries, uh, small tucks, Uh because they have just, uh, yeah, you know, uh, a short uh, mission uh, is very predictable uh, they don't need to go far uh, they can charge up uh, easily so basically you build a, a floating tesla
0: <laughs>
2: but for other ships that need to uh, go a bit further afield uh, that will not be uh, feasible true uh, so you need to think uh, on other uh, means of going so we worked together with the shipbuilder saying that, well, you know, uh, it's clear that now, uh, you know, you cannot just build a ship for hydrogen, but you can build a ship uh, that is propelled by uh, a diesel electric uh, drive train. But then you can calculate in that somewhere you can retrofit it in its life cycle when those fuels are available. Right,
0: right, So
2: that means that you can also do some simulations and you can uh, adapt the design. So for instance, that uh, the diesel engine uh, can be taken out of the ship and hopefully without cutting the whole ship uh, <laughs> open. True,
0: yeah, yeah. The yeah. Top,
2: right down to the bottom of the ship, where's the diesel engine? Yeah. So if you make that already feasible, you are you know prepared for the future. That's a good you point. also need to take in account things like yeah, you know an alternative fuel probably uh, will need more uh, capacity for your tanks because diesel is great, you know mm-hmm. a relatively small tank you have a, a huge range. Yep. but these are also things that you can already uh, incorporate in your design mm. because you know that time will come and then you're prepared. Cool. And it goes yeah. quite deep because ship owners who will uh, use the ship, they're already demanding like, well, we want to buy a ship for you, but within its lifetime, uh, we want to be able that uh, we can retrofit uh, it to a
3: sustainable fuel.
0: That's a good point,
3: yeah. And, yeah. and this modularity happens at, at different scales because... Um, the the ship itself is a system of systems and one of the things we need to to learn is that maybe producing new things isn't the way to go always but rather repairing or extending the life of existing products is uh is is also an option and uh, we also try to be a catalyst for the companies that have understood that and who are trying to gather the knowledge of how to extend the life how to repair. Uh, existing products and uh, this this concept of modularity is something that we try to push through through many customers. Like I said, at, at different scales, uh, because it's it's a way to minimize the amount of components and the amount of materials that are needed for uh, new generation for new innovations.
1: I think for me, it goes to the heart of what we need to do, uh, which is to have a more circular uh, economy, uh, where instead of the take-make-waste model, we, uh, we think more about how to reuse, recycle, um, and um, try to use waste as as new resource. And uh, for me, this is the true key to sustainability is how do you enable a circularity you know with uh, with uh, industrial partners so that uh, they reuse recycle um, and that it is integrated in the design thinking cool um
0: a, a couple of questions pop into my mind listening to this story because now i have a great idea on okay we have this this simulation environment where we can uh well put everything in and and even be able to simulate a couple of stages into the future right and that that uh, with the Mm. ship example uh, we can of course simulate for now for the near future uh, and for the farther further future uh, uh, some time points further away from us uh, in order to meet all the requirements that are that are there during the lifetime of such a product and in this case it's a a long lifetime. Um, uh, But... And that also links a little bit uh, on uh, on what you just said, Severin, on um, uh, the, the circularity, circular economy. If we're trying to model all of that and in different stages in the future or we try to model how a product can fit into the circular chain uh, or the future circular tr- chain even, that becomes quite complex because we have to factor all kinds of um, material uh, properties in it. We have to factor in the, um, the physics of... of well, the surrounds of uh, of a product and also how it works in the future. And I believe, if I'm correct, uh, Dragos, you said in the beginning that we are going that we are um, uh, want to look at, at the simplified version of the product, a simple model, eh? a, a, to say it uh, 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 sim- simple. <laughs> uh, how does that add up? Because in this case, it's, it's Well, to me, it doesn't look like it's it's not that simple anymore, but but highly complex.
3: So it's, it's simple to understand uh, is what I meant because okay. the different layers are structured and they're classified in a way that's visual and in a way that can be understood. Okay. Um, and this is key in, in decision making because uh, when you start declaring the different layers of what we consider a physical product on the 3D design, uh, you need to, to then make choices with regards to uh, materials. And if by first running a very, very quick assessment, um, high level, you notice that you're using certain virgin materials or certain um, uh, activities that are really, really energy intensive, you can immediately deviate from that and move to other materials that you know for sure they can be uh, they can have a second third fourth life and you can also switch to activities to uh, production methods that uh, will have uh, a lower impact during this this manufacturing phase and it really depends on the product on which stage whether it's the manufacturing stage that you need to to reconsider or the lifetime, the, the moment when the product is in use. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by, by having this first assessment of both previous generations and future products, it's, uh, it's, it's simple to, to see where okay. uh, the, the priority stands yeah. or the, yeah, the next yeah, action yeah. should be.
0: So, so actually we're getting instead of uh, well, instead of or next to the system of systems that uh, that was already described which which copes with complexity we now get a model of models eh? the, the different layers are different models that interact with each other uh, and and that helps as well uh, at least that's the way I imagine it uh, uh, in in front of me uh,
2: yes and also you know we were talking about uh, a digital twin, Mm -hmm. Uh, And the great thing, of course, is that there is a lot of information in there. Meaning that if you have something uh, designed, it's produced, uh, it's a service, all the data uh, is still there. So you almost get for free materials passport. So you know exactly uh, how it has been built, what kind of materials, uh, which also makes it easier, of course, to then, you know, bring it to a market of materials or even modules that can be reused. And the same time, when you think about uh, design, you also want to think about, you know, what are um, marketplaces where I can find, uh, well, uh, materials or even components that are abandoned but can be reused. So for this, we also working together with um, uh, universities mm-hmm, and now uh, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, uh, yeah. there's a lot of um, clever people there sure, who yeah. are also very, uh, ambitious and you know really want to do something uh, on sustainability Great.
1: And you know, What you're saying so it also makes me think about the regulatory environment and the pressures that are coming mm-hmm. uh, so we know that the digital product passport for instance uh, is coming at EU level uh, which will require a lot of transparency and if you have you know all the, your materials uh, at the ready because you have done a life cycle analysis if you know exactly why you chose some materials certainly makes the digital uh, product passport more valuable because you know that you are going to be able as a a manufacturer, as a a company, to showcase why uh, you can substantiate your sustainability claims with uh, with information that is is available. So I think uh, even when we think about regulatory pressures that are going to increase in the next few years, uh, this transparency, this information which is gathered, uh, the design phase, uh, the conception phase will be useful uh, in the future.
0: Oh yeah, that that, oh, that that that's one thing I didn't think of indeed. But the materials passport and and everything that goes with it, that yeah, that you would get it for free, yeah, as as you mentioned it uh, so nicely. That that is indeed a great added bonus to uh, well a, a virtual using a virtual twin for making all the design choices and that go with it. On the other hand, I was also thinking about and that was already now it came a little bit uh, in in the discussion is data and. Of course, a model, uh, you can create a model, a physical model, right? Based on, on the, the laws of physics, for example. <laughs> but we are also able to use data, historical data, in order to create our models. And then use that in order to show how design changes can impact uh, uh, yeah, well, an, a sustainability KPI. How, is that also possible in, in uh, well in tooling around us or, or is it is it then more a data uh, discussion that we're going to have?
2: Well, it's a combination um, I'm going back to ships again.
0: okay okay sure yeah that's a good example uh, Because
2: um, that's exactly what they're doing uh, So they have uh, you know several types of ships uh that they have designed in the past uh but of course these ships are already sailing so they have you know they have the feedback they have all the uh uh, fantastic things coming out of uh, um, all this sort of uh, data streams uh iot all that sort of stuff so they know also the real uh performance so what they're doing now is like they can use these existing models and tweak them because they know, like, all right, if we just make this angle a little bit uh, sharper, uh, then that is the benefit. So you have a combination, really, from um, well, let's say, the digital twin going to a real physical product, oh, which yeah. is then, you know, being measured, yeah. uh, trialed, and the feedback that I get uh, from the performance, etc will be fed back into uh, a next model or iteration of that particular type of ship
0: yeah 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 true 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 i was also thinking about well take ships as an example because it's a nice product where uh, the life cycle is so long um, but it's also a product that's very difficult to recycle yeah, or, yeah, well, maybe at least parts of it are difficult to recycle in uh, the way I look at it. It's a very, if you take a big cargo ship, uh, it's it's huge, right? It's very difficult to put on land and to deconstruct. Can we make use of virtual twins, digital twins, in order to uh, maybe come up with a, uh, an even bigger cargo ship that's now sailing the oceans, but still easy to uh, deconstruct after its lifetime?
3: So I, I think here we touch exactly upon um, the, the the same benefits that you have when you actually design it. Because one of the modules that we're now uh, pushing is this uh, uh, design for decommissioning or design for disassembly. Oh, yeah. And what yeah. you can do is that that ship becomes a lot, a lot smaller when it's when it's on your screen, when it's on your laptop, <laughs> and you can immediately use the, um, uh, the the tools we have in our applications to to slice it, to um, make a bill of what materials you want to reuse, and mm-hmm. these things can go anything from yeah, uh, really uh, melting maybe the the materials back into the, into their original form. And, Uh, being put to other uses or using some of the components for other industries, such as furniture or other uh, industrial equipment and so on, because the materials themselves have the same properties or uh, slightly uh, changed uh, due to the, the way they've aged, but can be uh, reutilized on, on other things. And the ability to have this platform and communication between different stakeholders who might be interested in these materials and those who are mm-hmm. interested in decommissioning them is also something we can facilitate. And that's, cool. that's an important thing so that yeah. You don't end up with a landfill somewhere, and on the other side of uh, uh, the world or even in the same community, yeah. uh, people interested in those materials but unaware that they are available.
0: available. Yeah. and So, so in the end, you can create. If we were to create a virtual twins, digital twins of, of a variety, well, of every product in in the, in uh, in the end, then it would be much easier to link them together when a new product comes into being. That you can directly already have that in a kind of a library where you say, okay, now I can reuse this part and this part and this part, and then I feed it back into my new product well the circular economy is being uh um yeah well uh, uh, created in in that sense right yeah
3: yeah yeah this is the rise of the new business models with yeah. regards to repair or uh refurbishing uh, different kinds of uh
0: yeah. products i have a final question uh, which might be a little bit exotic and i'm curious to see what you would think of Of that because uh, circular economy uh, recycling of products it's it's uh, from a theory and and well from practice also we can do that right Uh, we we can make that happen and uh, we can recycle if we want a full ship or uh, we could recycle uh, a mobile phone into its spare components and then reuse every part uh, back in new phones or in in uh, jewelry or in anything else so that's all fine Uh, but it's can only hold by uh, the behavior of the consumer because if i as an owner of a, tele- of a mobile phone just throw away my mobile phone it will not be reused in the cycle right it has to go to the point where they are able to really deconstruct that mobile phone into its bare components so it can be reused and it goes for every product right? that uh, reusable furniture or that big ship uh, if the the shipmaker decides or the ship owner decides to just uh, at the end of his lifetime to uh, land the ship somewhere in a third world country and never looks back again yeah then it's yeah there, there will be done some recycling but it's not the way we wanted it and eh? the way we designed it to be can human behavior in this case be factored into digital twins and sustainability in the, in the whole story
2: Yes, that's a very good uh, concept because indeed, you know, a lot is just thrown away. True, um, yeah. Not everything will be split out, you know, like, you know, this is material that you can easily uh, recycle. Yeah electronics, you know, there's a lot of materials in there uh, that you would like to recycle. Yeah,
0: a lot of precious very metals, difficult to yeah. Recycle.
2: yeah. Can also be, you know, uh, hazardous uh, materials that are in there. I believe that we will, you know, we're talking about new business models. Um, of course, now you already have, you know, when you buy uh, a new uh, washing machine because, you know, your is broken, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone is already picking it up, right? True. In fact, you buy for it uh, when you uh, buy the washing machine. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Then you hope that it will be recycled in the best possible way. Of course. If that happens, not sure. But for example, if you look at Apple, um, they uh, have these uh, laptops which they make from a very specific uh, grade of aluminium. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: And they like to have their uh, abandoned laptops uh, being taken back uh, so that they could reuse it. And also to uh, recycle, uh, you know, the rest of the machine and all the components in a sustainable uh, way. So I think this whole thing of, you know, going back uh, to the manufacturer um, is what we'll see uh, uh, more as well. <laughs> and you know, I talked about uh, retrofits uh, for ships, uh, but for example, uh, Renault is also looking into uh, how we can we uh, take back cars, uh, okay. re-get them to electric cars, whatever. Yeah, I think that is something that you will see uh, more and more.
1: Oh, yeah. I think um, for the system, it goes back to the um, the business sustainability approach that we would like to uh, really develop with our community and our ecosystems, where you have to focus on product innovation, but also business model transformation, as Edward was saying, and people, mm-hmm. which can be consumer behavior, yeah. ups- and there's still a lot of education to be done on sustainability. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for society, for, for the world? So I think that, that these three pillars you know, encompass what you're talking about when you say yeah. consumer behaviors. And I think for me, it's also back to what Edward was saying around infrastructure. So when you talk about a digital twin, you have to think about the full life cycle of this product from the inception, the way it's, it's designed, manufactured, operated, and then disposed of. And right. If the infrastructures are, are there, if there's a way, a mechanism for a consumer to bring back, you know, their, their electronics or products, if you have the, the right uh, chain when it comes to recycling, that that, that can be in- integrated into this digital twin model, because we're thinking about the entire life cycle of the product, including the infrastructures and the incentives that, that the manufacturer can put in place uh, to make it easier. So I think it can definitely do that. but you know, there's, there's a lot of work work and
0: education to be done for this to happen cool and, and that well that kind of directly reflects to the fact that what you're now just telling me uh is indeed if we inform the consumer well enough about well the parts that are in the product uh, and how they can be recycled uh, so this e- circular economy uh, really comes into being then they're much more willing and thus they're uh, behavior will change to bring their product back, like the Apple laptop laptop to the to, uh, to the shop or the washing machine to the point yes, of origin, right? And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's but it's important that you give the consumer give him uh, trustworthy data or information about um, well all the designs that you did, all the simulations that you did with respect to circularity or with respect to uh, recyclability of uh, of every component, right? yeah okay cool um well we are already uh, through our time of uh, recording this podcast um uh, my conclusion is is that uh, if i look at uh, virtual models they are well well the bottom line is virtual models speed up the circular economy right if I uh, summarize it into one sentence. Okay. Well, let's keep it at that as, as the as the end conclusion for this session. Uh, the virtual models speed up the circular e- economy. Great. Um, I want to thank you all, uh, Eduard, uh, Severin and Dragos for your contribution uh, and uh, a little bit of insight in uh, what Dassault uh, is, is doing uh, with respect to sustainability, not only from the Dassault perspective, but also from the perspective of how it can assist in well future product design and uh, uh, all the stages that uh, that are there, uh, and even work through all the complexity that is the world that it, that is the world around all those products. So a uh, really nice insight uh, in, in that. And thank you for that. Well, thank you, listeners, uh, for this podcast, and uh, hope to hear you again, or you can hear us again in the next Technology Pioneers podcast.